0: I'm gonna be one of the candy guys who give away the big candy bars, cause I always wanted that when I was a little kid. So I'm gonna do that. Shout out to the kids, y'all know Jalen love the kids, man.
1: From Uninterrupted, this is 17 Weeks, the show that gives you the real-time perspective of NFL stars living through the grind of the season. I'm your host Nate Burleson, and we got a wild one for you this week. As you know, the NFL trade deadline hit on Tuesday afternoon. This impacted our guys directly, especially Le'Veon Bell, whose name dominated the trade rumors at the exact same time he was about to head into the studio. In the end, Lev is staying in New York. And on this episode, you'll get his honest reaction to his crazy day.
2: There was a lot of trade speculations and rumors about me getting traded, obviously, from the Jets to other multiple teams, and they were actually true.
1: As we say every week on this show, this kind of unfiltered access is what we do best. Lev and the fellas give it to you all the way real with no media filters. You know that's also true for our next guy. After two straight road games with his new team, one of which was in London, Jalen finally arrived to his new home, LA.
0: I was doing a lot of traveling through the past two weeks. Being out in London, the the atmosphere, the environment at Wembley was uh, exciting. And they showed up and showed out for us.
1: And lastly, Cole Beasley with the Buffalo Bills discusses a wide range of topics, from Kobe versus MJ and why Julian Edelman still owes him a jersey.
3: I still haven't gotten it, by the way. I'm still waiting. How am I going to contact you? How are you going to send me one? Maybe you just didn't. You didn't want to give me one. That's cool, though.
1: And as always, I might take a trip down memory lane with a couple of quick stories from my playing days. This is 17 Weeks. Quick time out, 17 Weeks is brought to you by Uninterrupted and SiriusXM. New episodes drop every Thursday. You can listen to them on demand on SiriusXM and for free on the Pandora app. 17 Weeks is also available on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms. Wherever you listen to it, though, be sure to subscribe, give us a rating, and make sure you share the show. Come on, man, spread the love. All right, it's time for the show. Let's start the show off with the trade deadline and the rollercoaster ride Le'Veon Bell was on. In his first season with the Jets, finding out he was the subject of trade talks must have came as a surprise. As you would expect, Lev had a crazy week and couldn't hop in the podcast studio as scheduled. But shortly after the trade deadline, Lev hopped on the phone to keep it all the way real with us about what it's like being an NFL star in the middle of trade wars.
2: This is Le'Veon Bell checking in, 17 weeks right after the NFL trade deadline. What's up everybody? I'm um, actually recording for my voice memo, couldn't really get into the studio, been a lot. Of stuff going on, so wasn't able to get to the studio, so we improvised today. There was a lot of trade speculations and rumors about you know me getting traded, obviously from the Jets to other multiple teams, and they were actually true. Um, there were there were times where um, I found out from my agent, um, you know, he had talked to the Jets and and things like that. But it was teams like a uh, like Houston the Packers, the Kansas City Chiefs, um, and surprisingly, the Steelers um, were all in the mix of trying to trade for me. And um, from what I I heard and I understand was um, the Jets were really asking for a high price and a lot for me. Um, And on top of that, my actual contract was kind of tough for teams to deal with which is understandable you know a lot not too many teams really want to pay that high of a price for a running back to be honest i obviously was not trying to take a pay cut simply for the fact that i saw a full year of football um to get what i felt like i earned and deserved so um that would have kind of defeated the whole purpose so i didn't want to do that but the trade rumors were definitely true um it was interesting just after being in this city for, you know, roughly six, seven months, um, I love this city. I love the city of New York. I actually stay in Jersey, but I'm always up in New York all the time. I love the fans of New York City. Um, When I'm just walking around downtown and, you know, people see me and interact with me, I just love it. You know, I embrace it. You know, people kind of look at me as, you know, like a hero um, in a sense. And I like that feeling. I like that feeling of being wanted and, and being appreciated. Um, not saying that I wasn't appreciated in Pittsburgh, but it just feels a little different over here. But I had a conversation with the front office, um, with the New York Jets. Um, you know, Joe Douglas, actually, when the trade deadline was over, um, Joe Douglas, um, the general manager for the Jets, he took his time out to call me. Um, you know, he kind of, you know, told me that they weren't they wasn't really shopping me in a sense, but teams kind of inquired about me. Um, before the trade deadline And you know He was honest with me He said he was open to it um, But like I said earlier uh, Teams were really asking for a lot And he wasn't really Trying to give me up for Something he didn't feel like Would help You know the New York Jets In the future um, And he obviously feels like I'm a player Who can help turn this team around But we was on the phone And I was um, Relaxing Chilling And he called me We talked for about 10-15 minutes Um and it was a respectable talk. You know, me and him was talking man to man. I told him, uh, you know, I didn't take any offense by it because um, I understand, the, you know, the business of the NFL. You know, um, if nobody does in this league, it's definitely me. Like, I understand the business of the of the NFL like no other, you know. So when teams go to move guys, you know, I don't, you know, try to take it too personally, to be honest. I try to, you know, really take it for what it is and understand you know everything that I got to go through and everything other players go through when they do get moved even when I went to work um, today after the, the day after the trade deadline you know my teammates you know they you know obviously they kind of joked with it about it and stuff like that you know just being silly um, but um, guys were happy that I, that I didn't get traded that I'm able to still be in the locker room and around the building and build a practice with me and things like that and that obviously made me feel warm too you know I felt good about that and speaking of my teammates, you know, there's a lot of guys who were, you know, up for trade rumors and I guess being shocked it in a, in a sense, as you could say. Um, you know, Robbie Anderson was one of them that I heard about, you know, heavy. Leonard Williams is one of them that I heard about heavy and he ended up actually getting traded. Um, and I'm happy for him that, you know, um, everything went well for him and, you know, he's in a good spot. He's happy. Another guy was Jamal Adams um which that kind of surprised me a little bit because he's such a young, talented player, and I feel like he has not even came close to reaching his peak yet he 's only getting better each and every day um that I watch him in practice um he 's becoming more of a leader each and every day um so that that one kind of surprised me a little bit, but I talked to Jamal, you know me and him have our personal talks you know about you know things, and i don 't really want to get into detail about that just because of the fact that it 's me and his talk, but the things I can tell you um you know, Jamal's happy to be in New York. You know, um, he, there's been – I guess, I guess there was a talk about him going to the uh, – or the Cowboys were interested in him and things like that, which, I mean, I guess it wouldn't have all been bad. It wouldn't have all been bad, I guess, because um, he is from that area. Um, so if he did go home, you know, I'm sure he would have been happy um, with that also. But just knowing Jamal and, and knowing what type of player he is and what type of person he is, you know, I know – you know he wasn't asking to you know get traded or demanding to get traded. You know, but you know I heard about the little shopping things and things like that. They were the Jets were open to taking um, any offers, um, and I guess they didn't get enough offers or a good enough offer for Jamal either. In which it, I know if it was me, it would be a it would take a lot to give give up to Jamal because um, that's that's not, that's a rare type of talent. That's not walking around his league anymore. You know, what I mean he's such a special player. He, you don't find too many safeties who who can literally play in the box. They can stop the run. They can play man-to-man. They can play zone defense. They can attack the ball. And not only that, he's such an explosive, you know, hitter. You know, he's, he's, a, he's one of the rare safeties that kind of intimidates offenses. You know, you don't really want to run the ball by him and, and things like that because he causes so much damage in the backfield. I, I think I t- touched on just about anything that I needed to touch on. Um, I can't really think of nothing else off the top of my head that kind of went down this week. So next week, I'm going to be back. So that's going to be it for me this week. Back to you, Nate B. Shout out to Jalen and Cole. Shout out to my guys, man.
1: That's it from Lev for this episode. But as always, appreciate him keeping it 100 here on 17 Weeks. But anyway, Lev is staying put. Jalen Ramsey, he did get traded, though. He was happy about the change. And even more excited to play next to a guy that's a monster in Aaron Donald. No stranger to playing in London though, and now as a member of the Red Hot Rams, he got a little bonding time before he took care of the Bengals at Wembley.
0: Going out there with a a new team, going out there with the Rams, uh, it felt great. I mean, of course, I I love the team here. I was doing a lot of traveling through the past two weeks, but um, being out in London, the the atmosphere, the environment at Wembley was uh, exciting as it always is. It, It was a home game for us, the Rams, so, uh, the excitement was there, and they showed up and showed out for us, and we came away with a win. I knew AD or of AD from uh, being at award shows and stuff with him, uh, seeing him around certain NFL events in this business. He always seemed like a cool guy, but being in the locker room with him, being on the field with him, uh, it's basically just confirmed what I thought of him. You know, as a as a person, uh, everybody knows the type of player he is, but as a person, he's a, he's a cool person as well. This is. One of the most exciting uh, things probably in my career thus far is being able to play with a guy who is considered the best player in the NFL. And that's not just me saying that, but all of the peers in the NFL voted him the number one player in the NFL. And I'm not talking about just defensive players. I'm not talking about defensive linemen. I'm talking about just complete players in the NFL, offense, defense, whatever. Um, he'll, had a, he'll have a gold jacket one day. I'm going to claim it for him. And uh, being able to suit up and play with him uh, and see how he goes to work and how he approaches the game uh, is inspirational. And I don't take it for granted. I appreciate it. Jalen is happy to be back home on his bye
1: week. Well, kind of. This week is his first week in the City of Angels, and he plans to do a little house shopping.
0: I'm a nomad right now man i'm a i'm i'm everywhere so I'm looking for a place probably permanently or at least uh for an extended amount of time right now i am uh temporarily in a home kind of close to l a Sherman Oaks area really i have to learn around here i have to learn the west coast a little bit more uh get familiar with it so it's a process for sure but uh every day uh during this buy i'm a... Probably be going to look at houses until I get ready to go head back east coast at some point during later this week or this weekend so I can see my daughters and um, spend some time with them before it's time to get back to work next Monday.
1: Up in Buffalo, Cole Beasley scored a touchdown for the second straight week, but the Bills lost to the Eagles in week eight. Cole enjoyed getting in the end zone, but scoring a touchdown doesn't even matter when your team takes the
3: L. Definitely felt good to to get in the end zone at the time and and jump in there with the fans. You know, I'm not really much of a planner when I score or anything, uh, but, you know, when I did score, it looked like they were having a good time and, I don't know, spur of the moment told me to go jump in 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 the stands and party with the fans a little bit, so pretty exhilarating. It was an exciting, exciting time. Uh, It doesn't really matter in a a loss though. That's why I said in the moment it felt good, but you know, if you lose, it doesn't really matter. You know, the the touchdown kind of goes away. It kind of ruins it for you a little bit. Uh, Yeah, that's the first time I've jumped in the stands. Uh, I've interacted with fans, just like giving them fives and stuff, but I've never jumped in the stands. That was the first for me, so.
1: Cole also made the news when he refused to question coaches' play calls, even though some of the media were trying to play the blame game after the Bills
3: lost to the Eagles. Decided to take that route because that's what I believe in. I didn't even have to think about it. You know, we had opportunities. I feel like he definitely gave us a chance to win. Uh, We just got to make the most of each and every play. It's either the coach or the quarterback, you know, one or the other. That's what people love to blame in the media when things are going wrong. But I don't think anybody ever questions a play call until after it happens. There's no, like, you know, he calls a play, and when he calls a play, you're like, what? You know, we don't we don't think like as players, and really the people who are questioning the play after it happens aren't the players. It's it's the media or the people watching. You know, but none of them really know what's going on, why they're doing what, and you know if the play works, nobody says anything. You know what I mean? It's so hard to get everybody on the same page all the time, especially. You know, I don't I don't think people really remember this but I think it's nine out of the eleven guys on our offense that are all new to each other we're all new playing together we haven't just the first year we've done it you know as a group with this unit there's only two guys from last year that are on the offense so you know these things don't happen overnight and I know people want them to and they get impatient but we're headed in the right direction we're gonna keep taking steps and and figure this thing out and we will. Speaking of
1: play calling, Denver's new quarterback and former Super Bowl champion Joe Flacco made waves this week when he wished his two and six Broncos would be more aggressive. The usually reserved Flacco wasn't shy about sharing his feelings with the media. Was this an act of frustration or a strategic move? Let's hear what Jalen thinks.
0: Possibly it could be strategic. Maybe he wants certain, certain things called differently. So that was a, maybe a way. But I feel like in this business you could just, you know, have those conversations behind closed doors with the coaches privately. But Maybe he was asked the question and he just answered it honestly. Maybe that was all he did. And, and you, you got to respect people who answer questions honestly. That's what the media wants, right? And um, that's what platforms like Uninterrupted are built for. people, So people can uh, talk their mind. He just did it in, in that setting. But, you, you know, you usually have leaders on the team who may want to have a meeting and they'll talk to other leaders uh, of each position group and maybe get a, get a player's only meeting schedule or I'm sure – you know, at times, behind closed doors, coaches could relay a message to a certain player, and the player could call a meeting to relay the coach's message in a different way. It can't be something that's forced, though. That is something that I know. It has to be something uh, that's on your heart. It needs to come, you know, from a pure heart, from a, from a good intention, I would say.
1: Let's go back to Cole, who was adamant about players keeping disagreements with teammates and coaches inside the locker room.
3: You know, even if it's true, you think you, you need to be more aggressive, you know, that's really something that, that you know, I would rather keep in-house and, and talk about it. Like I mean, talking to the media is not going to do anything about it. I mean, maybe, I mean, yeah, they'll hear it, but they'll also hear it if you just tell them behind closed doors as well. You know what I mean? I mean, go speak your piece then, you know, that's, that's just giving media another. I don't know another something to talk about and, and ask all the other players questions about it and it could be a distraction at sometimes you know, if you let it, it's fine that he feels that way. you know don't get me wrong, that's okay, but I just think you could have gone behind closed doors to do that that same thing and just you know in-house and and keep it with the team and the coaches. To me, that's just pointing fingers when shit's going bad, you know what I mean? but I don't know different different. Different guys have different ways of getting their point across. Maybe maybe they feel like that puts more pressure on them if the media knows about it. You know, to to make it change. I think keep it in house. You can you may be able to accomplish the same thing. So if there's an issue within the team or or maybe stuff isn't going the way you want it to, I feel like it is up to the players to, to create change. And that's why that's also why I, you know when they ask me about the uh, the play calling and everything, you know. It, to me, it comes back to the players we play. you know. They call plays, but we're out there. You know, we we have a lot of control, and um, I mean, nobody's just gonna go off the rails and do what they want to do all the time because it doesn't work like that. If people are freelancing, doing their own thing, you know, it doesn't work.
1: So there's two ways of approaching fixing things within an organization. There's to the keep everything in-house, which I'm with. And you know what, I'm with that more times than not. That's the players-only meetings, That's the coming to Jesus meetings. In other words, we all get in the room, we lock the door, we look each other in the eye, and we air out our grievances. I talk to players that I don't like. They tell me what they don't like about me. They criticize something I did on or off the field. If coaches are there, we can talk to a coach honestly. People might get in their feelings. I've seen teammates cry. I'm talking about cry after a coach light them up, And then I've seen desks move out the way and guys square up. We're talking old school. We gonna fight, we gonna hug, and then we gonna get on about our business. And that's real talk. So I love the closed doors conversations and those closed door conversations should never leave that room. That's the way it goes. The unwritten rule of players only meetings or even team only meetings is once you walk out, I don't care if there's emotions, bumps and bruises, you better wipe them tears, and if somebody asks what went down, be like, nothing, we good. And if you do, then you're going to be labeled as the snitch, and nobody's going to rock with you, and you're probably not going to be on that team, unless you're the snitch for upstairs. There's always one snitch for upstairs, and real professional athletes know what I'm talking about. There's always one locker room snitch, and we'll talk about that on a different episode. Episode, episode. Patriots shut down the Browns in a big game this week, but an exchange between Tom Brady and Odell had everybody talking. OBJ gifted Tom Brady with a pair of goat hair cleats, taking the concept of jersey swapping to a whole nother level.
0: I think that's dope for uh, for both of them, actually. Tom Brady is the goat. Let me go and get that out the way. Uh, and Odell is probably the the goat of cleats in the NFL. So. Uh, you put them two together, and Odell was able to gift him some goat cleats. Then uh, I think that was dope. That was that was some uh, that was some dope content. My jersey swaps, that's cool um, for me. I ain't never been no groupie for no jersey now. Um, if I if I if I'm a jersey swap, I know before the game during the week I'll, I'll either that person will hit me up or I'll hit that person up and we'll be like, hey, yeah, after the game, I need that jersey. Um, and that's how I go about it. I ain't never. During the game, been like, oh, yeah, let me get your jersey. I ain't never chased nobody down after the game begging for no jersey. It ain't that serious.
3: The goat hair is very interesting. Um, (laughs) I mean, it it is a cool gesture. I don't really know what to think about it. I guess that's kind of cool. I don't know how he got goat hair on a cleat. It's kind of crazy. But uh, jerseys, yeah, I've, I've exchanged a few jerseys um i really don't have that many though you know a lot of guys get one like every every game and then they have a collection or whatever i'm not that big into it i don't i don't like collect jerseys or you know just wanted all these different guys in my in my room you know if there's most of the time probably if i have a jersey a guy asked me for mine so i took his um you know i don't that's the thing i don't know if they want mine you know what i mean so it's like i don't want to go ask a guy for a jersey and he's like i don't want this i don't want this dude jersey you know what i mean <laughs> It's almost like a insecure, like self-conscious deal with me, I guess. I asked Edelman for his. I was like, "Man, give me your jersey." I didn't even ask him. I told him to give it to me, and he said they don't do that, so he had to send me one. I still haven't gotten it, by the way. I'm still waiting. You know, I don't even know. That's why I was thinking in my head. I was like, "I don't have your number. I don't. I don't. How am I going to contact you? How are you going to send me one?" You know, what? maybe he just didn't. He didn't want to. He didn't want to give me one. That's cool though. We're gonna look back at
1: Odell. And we're going to say, yo, that dude was a trendsetter. He already is. Like, forget about the fact that 500,000 kids were rocking the blonde hair. Uh, Forget about the fact that he took dancing on the field to a completely different level of entertainment. Forget about the fact that he became the pre-game NFL's version of Steph Curry. He just does stuff that guys never thought about doing, rocking a $200,000 watch, you know what I'm saying, my man had a Lamborghini on his wrist while he was playing a football game, bro, and everybody's like, oh, that's disrespectful to the game, I can't believe it, no real athlete, no athlete of honor and tradition would do that, but everybody's like, yo, that like tennis tennis players do that all the time, fam, like, you know what I'm saying, golfers, you know, like, you ever see them golfers, the big money golfers, yeah, they do that all the time, fam, so how are we different like are, are we bar, barbaric are we too barbaric to to walk around with an elegant timepiece on our wrist like a, a tennis star would or a golfer would i don't know you tell me i mean because you guys are the one that's criticizing them and i feel like that's going to change like i don't know if it's five years from now 10 years from now 15 years from now the nfl's gonna be like yo do your do your thing rock your wrist game you know what i'm saying you're gonna be good and everybody's gonna look back like oh, Dale did that the cleats when everybody's doing like the custom cleats and having somebody paint on them and doing it for great causes and you know paying homage to you know movies from the past, like Odell's like, I'ma just, I'ma go ahead and I'ma get this goat hair, I'ma put it on a pair of my custom cleats that are by Nike, and then I'ma give them to somebody that we all know as the goat. Like now cats are gonna start exchanging cleats. And we're talking high-end cleats. So if you're not familiar with a custom pair of one-on-ones, those cleats probably are worth anywhere from two thousand to ten thousand dollars right now. Especially with an autograph from OBJ on there, if Tom Brady touch them with a with a pin. I mean, them things is gonna be like fifty thousand dollar cleats. So Odell is he's 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 resetting trends in an era where trends became very stale. Just think about the NFL. Everybody's doing the same thing. Same celebrations, same dances, dressed the same, look the same, walk the same, talk the same. Odell came in and was like, I'm shaking this shit up. And we're not gonna appreciate it till he's gone. Shout out to the rock star, OBJ. <laughs> Elsewhere in the league, the Bears lost to the Chargers on a missed kick by Eddie Pinheiro. Another tough break for them, that's for sure. Kick is wide left. And the Chargers have beaten the Chicago Bears Now, even though our guys are position players, they're sympathetic to the pressures that kickers face. I
3: mean, kickers are people too, right fellas? Just mentally, to me, that's one of the hardest positions to play as far as managing the pressure and the buildup to that moment, especially you haven't, you're not really playing all game and then you just gotta go in, get your mind right and go win the game. You know what I mean? That's tough. That's a tough job to have. That's why, you know, when you have a really good kicker, you hang on to them because they're hard to find because it's hard to deal with that pressure mentally. But dude, I I remember those first couple years in Dallas when I had to just come in and make a play. There's so much anxiety that goes into that because you like when you're just coming up as a special undrafted guy. When you're just coming up, like if you don't make those plays, that's your chance, you know what I mean? So, I mean, if I didn't make those plays on third down, that's a difference from me being here now and me just being out of the league after 2 years, really. Um, and people would have never known like what I really could have done because just I I had these Two or three opportunities in this game, and I didn't come through. And they're like, Oh, he can't do it. They make the, they, some teams will make their mind up off that. You know what I mean? So, and then you may not get another chance again. So that, that shit's tough, dude. So that's why I, I really have an understanding for it. And, um, especially for their position, cause, man, that's, I'd be so nervous for those, for those situations. But I mean, once the ball snap, all that shit went away. But the lead up, man, it's, it's crazy just staying ready and, um, There's a lot of anxiety that goes into that. The mental aspect of the NFL is, is, to me, is so much harder than the physical.
1: Jalen has love for kickers, too.
0: That is a pressure situation, right? Um, A game-winning field goal, or really any field goals, uh, just because points on the board uh, can equal up to a win for the team. But um, we're professionals, and everybody got a job. Just like I have to go out there and cover receivers. A quarterback has to go out there and lead an offense. O-line have to go out there and block, running backs have to run the ball, receivers have to catch the ball, whatever the case may be. Um, it's the same with kickers and, and any specialist, really. They got a job to do. When we was in Jacksonville, um, I thought Lambo should have been going to the Pro Bowl every year. Uh, I think Lambo's a really good kicker. Uh, they got a good one. Um, and then here, I've only been here, uh, you know, a week and a half, but uh, I think we got the best punter in the game here who, you know, can do the fakes, can do whatever he needs to do.
1: One of my favorite stories of the week and possibly the year comes from Tampa. Gerald McCoy spent nine years with the Bucks, but now he's in Carolina. And now that he's playing somewhere else, he couldn't make his son's senior night football game. So a few of his former teammates stepped up for him. What's up, G? My it's boy. What's good, G? You here, baby? Good, big homie.
0: Yeah, man. Supporting you, supporting ourselves, man. We know you couldn't be here. I know it's a big moment for you. We
1: want to be here to represent for you, man, let you know that we love you. We always appreciate you, man. We always. We say all the time that football is family but there's not too many opportunities where guys can prove it. Like this was it. Here's Jalen on the Bucks players getting their boys back.
0: Oh yeah, I saw that in Jameis and and, and Mike Evans and uh, a couple other guys went to catch his son senior night. That was dope. I'm not gonna lie to you, that was dope. That was, yeah, that was dope, man. When I was in in Jacksonville, me and Leonard were real cool. so he used to bring, when we used to have treatment or when he used to come over to the house, he would bring his daughter, he would bring his son, whatever, and we would chill over there. You know, I kind of call, call his daughter my little niece, and he called my daughters his little nieces too. Um, but other than that, I haven't had a teammate yet that has a, a son that's, you know, old enough to be playing high school ball yet either. I'm sure, I'm sure me and some of my teammates would have did the same thing if we was in that situation.
3: Here's Cole on McCoy's teammates stepping up. I think that's awesome, man. That's a really cool deal, and um, I'm sure it hurt um, Gerald McCoy not to be able to, not to be able to be there for his son. But I bet it made him feel a little bit better in his son, also at the same time that um, you know he at least had somebody there who is an extension of his dad and have been with him. So um, I think that's a really cool deal, man. Pretty much the coolest thing about football in the NFL is you have this little brotherhood of this bond with guys that you played with, and it's it's not with everybody, but you have those people that you meet along the way, which are relationships that, when you start becoming a veteran and the longer you play, you start to realize that. And it's about the people and about all the people that you share that same goal that you went to battle with. You know, that builds a special bond that, that you can't really get anywhere else. My physical therapist at Buffalo, actually, Joe Mika. Shout out to Joe. You know, they welcome family you know, up there at the, at the facility in Buffalo, which is a really cool thing about this place. So, you know, usually I'll go in and my oldest son will be at school and I'll take my, um, my middle child, Everett, who will be three in January. I usually take him up there with me while I'm doing rehab stuff and just getting my body right with Joe. And, and um, he always entertains him and makes him have a good time. So my uh, two-year-old asks about him. Like, he doesn't ask about anybody up there, but the only person he remembers is Mr. Joe. He's always like uh when we going mr joe like he'll ask me um he'll ask me on monday the day after the game because he always thinks that's the day we go but it's always tuesday um but he didn't he didn't get to go today but he'll be all right we'll go next week
1: the nba is back so naturally we've been hearing a lot of cross-sport comparisons in the media first john gruden compared to sean watson to michael jordan then Skip Bayless compared Andy Reid to Mike D'Antoni, due to their signature flashy offenses and lack of defenses. Our guys are hoop fans, so we asked them what NBA players they resemble most.
0: If I if I had to compare myself to one basketball player, I'll probably pick um, either I'll probably pick Patrick Beverley. That'd be like my off the rip uh, who just came to my mind, the first person that came to my mind because he's a he's like a, you know annoying, a pest, a gnat, whatever you want to call him. Uh, super good defender. Uh, I play defense so naturally that's what I but then in the back of my mind I want to say Kawhi because he that dude when it come to defense um and shutting down somebody and he he uh he commands the best on best all the time like if it's if they're playing the Lakers he's like yeah I want to guard LeBron in the fourth quarter um and I got that same mindset like yeah put me on their best and let me do my thing and and we gonna win this game so I would say kind of both of them. I just picked two Clippers. That's crazy, huh? I'm not a Clippers fan
3: Who's your guy Cole? I don't know. I don't want to do that because I don't want to do anybody a disservice Because <laughs> I'm not I'm not exactly a a Complete player I could improve in a lot of areas. I don't know also like my size and stature limit me a little bit in areas as well So I don't know. I want to say Nate Robinson just cuz he's nine. <laughs> You know what I mean? Kobe Bryant's my GOAT, so for all you haters, for all you haters out there. I don't know. I I followed him more than than any player ever, like NFL, NBA, any any league. And I watched him from when he was young to when he was like till the final moments when he was out of there. There were some games where I was like, dude, he's there's nothing you can do. He's unstoppable. It put two people on him, it didn't matter. And just like how many different ways he could score was just amazing to me. And like So I could tell just through his game like how much he really worked and perfected his craft. That's why Eminem is my favorite rapper. I mean, a lot of people would think it's because he's white, but I can tell with how he raps. Like, And I like rappers like, like Kendrick Lamar is another one of my favorites. I like the ones where I can tell they're seriously working on their craft nonstop and figuring out ways to make it better and to make it change over time. So I watched Kobe's game change over time and just, and also his mentality and his approach to how he did everything. I've watched the documentaries, I've read the, the book he has, and just to hear him talk about everything in detail was just, I don't know, is was, was beyond anything I've ever really seen. So who's the football version of Kobe? With a similar like desire and craftsmanship, that I know of 100% is Jason Witten. He's not just like a do-one-thing guy. You know what I mean? He's never been that way. And he's, he was a guy that's constantly trying to find different ways to be the best player or the best tight end to ever play. So he wasn't just like, I'm going to route you up and that's it. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to route your ass up. You can double me if you want to. I'm still going to get open. But then also, when we get in this run game, He's like, I'm gonna get you out of here, and I'm gonna make Zeke go for a hundred. You know what I mean? And he takes pride in the entire, like, complete game that he plays. And to me, that's what Kobe was. Kobe played defense. You know what I mean? He he wasn't just an offensive guy. He took pride in being one of the best defensive players. And then when it comes to when it comes to scoring, he would take you down in a low block. He could go on the perimeter. His mid range was fire. So. To me, it's more like when I compare them, it's just all about like the desire to have a complete game and no weaknesses where it's damn near impossible for a team to take you away. To me, that's that's what Witten was also. So that's why I can compare those two more than, than anybody. Shout out to all the undersized
1: dudes who play bigger than their height is. And no cold, I'm not talking about you. Nate Robinson. 206 native my brother I guess I call my little brother funny story about Nate Rob I remember racing against him because we both ran the hurdles and I was a little faster because I was a senior he was a sophomore and I remember passing him up and whispering to him I was like you ready to run You ready to run and I hit that corner and I was gone and he always gives me a hard time about that and then also the one time I almost led him in the wrong direction Uh, he asked me in college he's like yo I could go to the NBA Or the NFL? Which one, big bro? And I was like, yo, you got to play football, man. This is amazing. You know, I'm still in the euphoria stage of being a young NFL athlete. And I'm glad he didn't listen to me because he he went on to be one of the most explosive NBA players and a three-time dunk champion. And he's always repping the town. Town business. Uh, But yeah, Nate Robinson. There's only so many guys from the 206 that are out here repping, and he's one of them. It's time to wrap the episode with another edition of Quick Outs. It's the part of the show where our guys share quick takes on off the field passions, hobbies, and whatever else makes them more than athletes. This week, it's Halloween. And we're checking in on Cole, who has a history of family costume.
3: My kids both wanted to be two different things. Now they're both old enough to make a decision. So, you know, before it was just my oldest making the decision on who we were gonna be and Everett didn't really care because he was too young to even, you know, give a damn. So, but now that they kind of have their own minds, um, you know, Everett's gonna be the, he's gonna be Spider-Man, as always, dude's always Spider-Man, every day of his life, he wears that when it's not Halloween, so I don't even understand, understand it, you know, um, but he, he calls it his What's Up Danger costume, because he's the the animated Spider-Man, the one with the black Spider-Man suit, um, and the little song that plays during the movie, it's a great movie, by the way, it's one of the best animated movies I've ever seen, it was awesome, um, and then Ace, my oldest, randomly decided he wanted to be Bumblebee the Transformer. So, we got him doing that. So, me and mom aren't doing anything right now. We're just, you know, stranded out here. We should have did something together since they didn't want to come together as a family and be a unit. You know, I tried I tried my best, but um, I don't know. I guess I got to wait till they're a little bit older to to get them to understand a little bit more team than me. Um, but we'll work on that in the future.
0: <laughs>
3: hey Jalen, what you got going
0: on? I don't have any Halloween plans yet. I've, I've turned into, over the past couple years, i turned into the Pass Out Candy guy. I like to see the kids come up to the house, uh, dressed up in their costumes. Some of them notice who I am, like, oh Jalen. i give them a little extra candy. The kids who won't notice me or don't, got no good costumes on, I'll give them some ramen noodles or something. Yeah, if I'm here, I'm going to show love with the candy. I'm going to be one of the uh, candy guys who uh, who give away the big candy bars, like the full size. Not the, not the fun size, not the minis. I'm going to give away like the full Snickers, not the little one. Because I always wanted that when I was a little kid, so I'm going to do that for the kids. Shout out to the kids. Y'all know Jalen love the kids, man.
1: I hope you enjoyed this episode of 17 Weeks. This show is brought to you by Uninterrupted and SiriusXM. You can listen to it on demand in SiriusXM and for free on the Pandora app. The show is now available on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms. Wherever you listen to it, be sure to subscribe so you can get notified every new episode when it drops on Thursdays. And if you like what you heard, which I know you do, share the show. Spread the love, fam. I'm your host, Nate Burleson, a.k.a. Nate B. Shout out to my co host Le'Veon Bell, Cole Beasley, and Jalen Ramsey. This show is produced by Gabe Goodwin, Ben Redman, Mike Midas, Matt Ford, and Paul Miller. Sound design and music by Steve Porter. Our executive producer is T.D. St. Matthew Daniel for Uninterrupted. Special shout-out on this episode to Chris Witherspoon and Logan Castrodale. And I got to say this, man, R.I.P. Pops, John Witherspoon. Absolute legend. Till next time, this is 17
0: Weeks. We out.